My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from the Lost in Translation podcast, uh, Park, Whiskey so- Park Whiskey Society, and uh, today we today we got a pretty special guest. Uh, he came very highly recommended from from someone that we we love and trust in this industry, Whiskey Bry, Brian Simpson. And as, as soon as he mentioned that we had to talk to this to this gentleman, we that we took it up took him up on it yeah. instantly. Reached out, right? Yeah, we were we were super interested. So he's. He's uh, behind some brands that, well, uh, one of them specifically is a very established indie bottler um, in in the whiskey in the, well, in the world. I would say one of one of the more respected ones around. Um, so yeah, today our guest is uh, Connell McKenzie. He what's 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 your position exactly with with Adelphi? So my yeah my official position is sales director, but um, as a small company, uh, we sort of yeah, muck in and do a little bit of everything. Yeah, you're, you're kind of just like an overall ambassador. Like, well, with a company like that, everybody ends up being an ambassador of of the company. But you, I, like, you do a lot of Zoom tastings, and I see your definitely see your mug kind of floating around around the internet and, and people chatting oh, about no. you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh dear, yeah, poor, poor internet. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, and yeah, thank you very much for uh, your kind words. And it's uh, yeah, it was, it was great that um, Bry put us in touch and yeah it's um from from my point of view adelphi and arden american is is very much in alberta anyway is is we we export our our brands to alberta province and we're starting to flirt with bc yeah and potentially growing further afield but we have we've had a solid base now for about 10 years in in alberta so yeah, it's it's, it's 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 long overdue. Some would say. Yeah, the pro- like a, well, the product's been around. It's always very like with an indie bottler. It's the obviously the product always changes, so it's tough. And I'm sure from your standpoint, it's you constantly have to be active because a lot like a lot of independent bottlers can just kind of fall, just basically fall down the shelves and and collect some dust because if you're not if you're not always at, out there establishing a place for your brand you're not a household distillery. So it's a little more challenging, but probably from an independent bottler standpoint. Well, certainly, I mean, I've, I've, I've been with, I've been with the company now, probably three years this summer. And from what I've experienced is that a lot of our whiskey doesn't even make it onto the shelves, which again, that's, that might sound like a, a lovely situation to be in, but when you're talking about brand recognition, we don't, <laughs> we don't get much at all. Uh, so yeah, it is a challenge actually, and the single cast game is a very frustrating market. And th- what we're seeing now is that you know people who get into the whiskey industry, people who get their first taste of a dram that they really connect with, everyone's looking what's what's next, you know. And 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 we are niche, we we know that. Yeah. But but people will find us uh, uh, in their whiskey journey, and when they do, hopefully they like what we do, and that just drives more demand. And the, and the reality is the amount of casks out there compared to five, 10, 15 years ago is significantly, lo- significantly lower. Um, to tell you the truth. Well, and you're not, you're not trying to gain the trust of, of your drinkers based on like a, like a consistent distillate that you're creating. You're, you're trying to gain the trust that you're going to select 
a good <laughs> like a, a good mm-hmm. cask every time which which with with all the different brands and distilleries that you guys use that that would be a challenging standpoint i think like what do you think sean right? yeah like i mean just luckily we're in alberta and we have seen your product on the shelves but you know you can go into the couple stores that sell it and every single time you go in there's there's new ones in its place so it's always like the first thing i'll go check Some revolving door yeah see what new ones they have <laughs> yeah for sure like for me the first time i ever heard or even seen a delphi was from josh obviously know your whiskey and he's the biggest lechick fan in the world and he said you know this adelphi just put one out go get it it's not going to be there for very long so i raced across the city and grabbed it but then i noticed when i picked it up i'm like oh they have all these other ones from like these distilleries that i love Mm -hmm. so i mental note okay check into this research these guys see what they're all about and i mean every single time i've had something from adelphi and now art american it's top quality yeah they, they get a good following here in alberta because the, the the bottles don't last on the shelves for very long i will say that if you if you're going to jump on you got to jump on it quick i don't know if yeah. do you have any experience with the alberta drinkers yeah absolutely i mean i've done a, uh, i used to live in alberta when i was traveling away um around canada i lived in jasper so oh, awesome we town up there up the Icefields Parkway fantastic wee place I uh, did, a, did a summer season there didn't do any, any skiing or boarding but um, yeah look the, the Alberta drinker is very similar to European they, they know what they like and they're pretty loyal to be honest um, so I think just an interesting point is you, you can't develop a style when you're an independent bottler per se um, unless you just stick to one cask maturation vessel Yeah, you've got to kind of win the trust of of your of your, of your drinker to, to 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 trust in the fact that of what you select is going to be uh, what it says in the tin essentially or the bottle if you like i mean we've got a very a very very um basic uh analogy when, when we look at a cask of whiskey when we, when we look at a dram it's basically has it got good flavor is it is it is it is it punching with good flavor and would you have another sip would you have another dram of it and if it does honestly if it does meet that criteria and you know even if it's a wee bit weird you know it doesn't matter if it does if you would have another wee dram of it that's what that's what independent bottlers should be doing is is producing interesting whiskey and that's what we try to do yeah weird weird is good i think but before we before we get too far into into delphia i'd like to i'd like to talk about you connell can you give us kind of give us the lowdown on on where your whiskey journey started and, and basically all the way up to how you came to be part of of the team there at Adelphi? Yep, yep. So I suppose back at the start, I mean, my mum and my dad uh, are both whiskey drinkers and all my uncles are, I think. Yep, all um, not just single malt, but blended Scotch whiskey drinkers. It's very much in the family, if you will. I'm from the Highlands, so I'm from a place just outside Inverness. Um, and I, I now live in a town just outside of Inverness called Nairn. And yeah, basically, um, it's always sort of been there. And my my sort of route through, or sorry, route, I should say, um, <laughs> to the whiskey industry, I've been in the hospitality game um, pretty much since I was 12, washing dishes in a local hotel. And then sort of gradually working my way up to a server on the floor and then sort of reaching food and beverage management. Um, not all in Scotland, though. Uh, I left I left Scotland when I was 18. Uh, I went to Australia and I travelled there. Oh, okay. 
in bars, restaurants, clubs, fine dining restaurants, things like that. Um, yeah, when I was 18 to sort of 20. And uh, because I had a, a Scottish accent and liked the drama, I was always in charge of the whiskey list, you know, or, or recommending <laughs> just because I had an accent. But luckily, I, I knew very little, but enough to get by um, on whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, came home, uh, tried, tried to work with the, with the old man in his in his, his flooring company it didn't really work went back to hotels what i knew what i loved what i enjoyed um i started writing whiskey lists for a local hotel i worked at just loved it um got married came home sort of got married um and then yeah just got itchy feet again and just wanted to get out of scotland and uh, went to canada so i went to well, flew into Toronto, uh, landed a job in the Georgian Bay area, a place called Blue Mountain, which is a very small ski resort yeah. uh, in oh, Collingwood, just outside Collingwood there. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very small, owned by IntraWest. Um, and yeah, got, got into some sort of Canadian whiskies there, um, bits and pieces, um, worked at some cocktail bars. Yeah, um, travelled across Canada. Um, again, working just in serving jobs, um, helping people with whiskey, just really loving talking about what's from my country. You know, it was re- you feel a sense of pride when you do that. Oh, um, and then went from Canada straight to New Zealand, where I stayed for about six years. Um, ended up being a sort of permanent resident there. And my daughter was born there. You dragged your wife, obviously, and, along along your yeah, travels. Yeah, my wife. My wife came across the whole journey <laughs> in Canada. Um, and and uh, and New Zealand, so I thought New Zealand was it. You know, we I got this job um, in a five star hotel, food and beverage management, um, two restaurants, just really loving um, my career to date. And then the, out of nowhere, there was a re- there's a fantastic uh, retail whiskey shop in the, in Christchurch, New Zealand, in the South Island, called Whiskey Galore. Uh, whiskey Galore is a is a family owned business. And it's quite a remarkable place. Um, if you ever get a chance, if you're ever in New Zealand, if you're ever in the South Island, I recommend that you, you go and pay them a visit. It's wall-to-wall whiskey and not just, you know, generic whiskey. He's got whiskey, um, the team there have got whiskey that, you know, you can only dream of, uh, even in Scotland. Um, run by a, a Scotsman called Michael Fraser Milne. And uh, basically, I, I was lucky enough to land a job there as their ops manager and one of not only as a retailer they were a whiskey educator they would fly all over new zealand and australia um educating people um on the water of life if you like uh ran a fantastic whiskey festival every two years called Dramfest, and they were an importer so they imported lots and lots of different brands everything from springbank to glenn farkless and had the biggest indie bottling import as you can imagine so they imported uh, Cadenheads, uh, Adelphi, Gordon McPhail, Douglas Lang, Hunter Lang, you name it and I got to work with all these brands and and work with the people who traveled over to New Zealand to represent their brands so anyway uh, daughter, daughter was born um, in Christchurch and sort of 18 months two years later we just got really homesick in a nutshell. Yeah, just, okay. it, got, it wasn't that it got too much. It was just, we didn't want to, you know, all my family are in the Highlands, all my wife's family are in the Highlands. We wanted to take our, our wee baby girl home and, and raise her with family around her. 
and it was a very very difficult decision and you know i think about new zealand every day and and uh yeah i uh sitting here in my kitchen in the highlands of scotland not being able to leave my house and <laughs> you look at new zealand news and they're having music festivals and things like that. You, you kind of go, did I make the right decision? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're doing really well right now, yeah. but they, but they did like a mass complete shutdown, but we're, we're not here to talk about COVID. So <laughs> no, exactly. let's not mention, let's not mention the C word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So basically took the tough decision, you know, um, I've been working officially in the whiskey industry by then for just over two years going home I wanted to remain in the industry so obviously by importing all these brands and having these contacts at Whiskey Galore um, I reached out to a few people and uh, had an interview in a golf course with my managing director uh, Alex Bruce and the rest is history essentially awesome um, I let him beat me at golf and I got the job <laughs> you don't let him beat um, you anymore though do you <laughs> not at all absolutely not <laughs> But um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we've been home since May 2018 um, okay. and yeah, it's just been, it's been a roller coaster, but I've loved every minute of it um, to tell you the truth. And, you know, I absolutely love my job. Uh, I don't even, I, I don't even treat it as a job. It is, it's just a way of life and something that I, yeah, I, it's not hard to get up in the morning, you know? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, people don't like because they like their jobs. So <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Interview on a golf course, man. That's the dream. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's you know, and you know, cask deals are done in golf courses as well. It's still very old school, like that here in Scotland. That's that's my kind of business, Steve. I think we need to go golfing in Scotland. (laughs) Yeah, we do. That's (laughs) absolutely come over. But yeah, look, it's um, that's my journey, you know, and it's um, it's funny because I was actually listening to the podcast um, this afternoon when you were talking to Brian. You know, we don't all start out in a career, you know, actively looking for a career in whiskey. Usually in Scotland, it's it, it does. If you're in the circles, it can grab you. And if it does, it's such a wonderful industry to be in. It really is. And I find that the story is very similar to amongst a lot, like a lot of people in your position that, right, that they just, they're in the industry, you're around it long enough that, that if you really want to look for that for that spot then then it's it's yours to get as long as right as long as long as you're looking yeah. for it and, and passionate enough about it i think because you also need to be you also need to have a certain amount of level or a certain level of passion for whiskey to effectively do this job you can't just step into it and go to work nine to five and and kind of just be robotic about it you it, it takes a lot more than that yeah like it's it is, it is a way of life and when you're fully immersed in it like i am and, and most people who are in the industry are to be fair you yeah are fully you're you, you know you're 110 percent in there um yeah it's 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 easy enough but i mean i i, I was recruited as a sort of sales manager if you like um looking after adelphi and sort of helping build the brand of Arden Merkin. but i would never have thought I, I mean, they made me a director last year and, and I never thought I'd have been this far into my career um, so soon. I mean, I've, I've technically already only been in the industry six years. So, you know, I'm very lucky and I, I do thank my lucky stars um, on a daily basis. Yeah, I bet. Like we're, we've engulfed ourselves in the industry from it, obviously a different side of it, but we're, we do it straight from a passion, a passion standpoint yeah. kind of thing, right? And like whiskey is just a contagious atmosphere to be around. 
the people in it. Uh, I, I don't know. I I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially like in Alberta, like I'm sure you know, the 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 drinkers here and the people that are passionate about whiskey the whole way through, it's it's a community, and that's I mean that's the basis of our podcast. We started it to showcase the community side of it, and uh, but yeah, like we love it. We get just since starting the podcast, we get people talking to us daily about like I've people in the states that bring up stuff that happened on our yeah, first cool. couple episodes still and it's it's it's, it's cool to feel like you're part of the fabric a yeah, little bit because yeah. it's 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 an exciting fabric to be a part of, i think um i'd like to get let's get let's get right into adelphi because i don't know that like i feel like adelphi is a it's a brand you'll find a more enthusiast shelf than you do on kind of the just that casual drinker but there, there's a lot of a very affordable bottlings that come out of adelphi so there's not really any reason for it besides maybe that people don't know a lot about it so i don't know if you want to just give us the elevator pitch or let's let's maybe go even start from the history to present or present and kind of just teach yeah, us yeah. teach us the significance behind the brand and and where it's yeah, place yeah, absolutely absolutely i mean we're uh, as you know today adelphi is what is an independent bottler so we don't need to cover what uh, necessarily what an independent bottler is but the truth is, like, if you if you do go back into the history, and I will make this very quick, but you know, Adelphi was a distillery. Um, uh, the, our our company name is Adelphi Distillery Limited, and you know, the Adelphi Distillery sat in Glasgow, um, right in the heart of Glasgow, um, in the early eighteen hundreds. And back then, for its time, it was actually a very modern distillery, um, but quite unusual. And when I mean unusual, that it was built on three levels, three tiers, if you like. So you'd have your You'd have your your horse bringing in your your your, your barley to the mash tun. Um, on the bottom level, you'd have your washbacks um, uh, on the the second floor, your fermentation vessels, and then your stills would actually be on the top floor, the third floor high. And you know, uh, we had twelve. I think it was twelve washbacks um, back then, all holding. They're massive. They were holding forty thousand liters per washback. Um, to give you an idea, our American, we hold 10,000 liters. So four times the size. That's crazy. And there's a very good reason why health and safety would have an absolute field day and <laughs> try to build a distillery of this size in this modern world. They would never get away with it. But basically what happened was one of the legs of these ginormous washbacks gave way. And one washback hit another washback to hit another washback to hit, you know, so domino effect and basically just took the whole distillery down. I mean, you think about 12 times four, that's a lot of um, oh, thousands yeah. upon thousands of liters of, of, of wash of, of horrible tasting beer and uh, yeah, <laughs> wiped out heaps of horses and uh, a poodled, a poodle boy who was having a cheeky pint um, at lunchtime swept them away and, and the story goes he lost his life so they called it the great garbles disaster and that's an area in glasgow oh crazy so yeah so and, and it, they tried to rebuild it and never really came to anything it was basically used for maturation up until the 60s yeah and uh yeah that, that's basically the story of adelphi now the grand the great grandson of the original owner a guy called jamie walker so Archibald Walker was the original Adelphi distillery owner. So his great grandson wanted to revive the name. He wanted to get into the whiskey industry. He ideally wanted to build a distillery, but you know, he didn't have 
you know, £10 million in his bank account to go ahead and do that. But he had the rights to this name. So Adelphi was born in 92. Um, he he scraped enough money uh, together to, 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 to buy three casks to get himself going. And those casks, I think the casks were... A, now, where were they from? Yeah, there was a... Oh, there was a 1969 Springbank. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a good selection, yeah. Yeah, there was a... I think there was a Bunahavan and a Glenrothes as well. So I think decent, a, yeah. And that was a bat, that Springbank. Pretty decent start, yeah. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good start. He had lots of contacts in the industry and a wonderful palate. Um, he had recruited the, the sort of advice of um, Mr. Charles McLean or Charlie McLean. Yeah, uh, who's a whiskey writer uh, and has been doing that for about 40 years now uh, in the industry. So he came on board as sort of chief assessor, chief nose, if you will. Okay. And he's actually still, I'm still working with Charlie to this day. So he's still, still oh, very much um, with the company. Charlie was a director back then. And the, the whole idea being that they were going to bottle the highest quality single malt that they can get their hands on. And if it didn't make the cut, it didn't make the cut. Um, pretty much rejecting about eighty to ninety percent of every every cask sample that was put in front of them, and they did. And we still, I, I don't know if it's that high now, but we, we certainly reject more than what we bottle. Being that they are as deeply rooted in, like that the name is so deeply rooted into the the industry, I'm sure that was it made it a little easier on him to obviously acquire and get the like that cast selection process going for the company, right? Yeah, so he yeah he he, he was in, I think he was actually originally in the wine trade um, and developed uh, contacts and 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 just wanted to get his his whiskey business going. Yeah, um, and it was very successful at doing so. Um, Ten years on, twelve years on, he it was time for him to move. He had to move um, family reasons, I think, um, and he basically uh, a chap called Keith Faulkner wanted to meet him for um, to buy a cask. Uh, so Keith was going to buy this cask for his company, dish it out um, as a Delphi. It was one of his favorite bottlers. Anyway, Jamie had an intention to try and sell the company to Keith that day over lunch. And Keith, <laughs> Keith said, yeah, that, why not? You know, um, And Keith ended up um, buying the company um, there and then uh, <laughs> over lunch. He said it was the second most expensive lunch he's ever had. <laughs> and, uh, I'm curious what the first yeah, is. Uh, well, he, he's not told me. <laughs> One day he will. And yeah, he joined forces with a with a, a very good business partner and friend, Donald Houston, um, who both which owned a lot of uh, property out on the Arden American Peninsula. You know where this is going now. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, and, and Adelphi was then taken over by them. And we moved our headquarters over to Arden American. And they recruited Alex Bruce as our sales and marketing director. Uh, in 2004 cool yeah it was super interesting yeah you know crazy stories obviously are abundant in whiskey but that's that's one of the cooler ones yeah it is for sure so you were talking about the casks and um obviously the first three that started it um what's the process like nowadays do you source pre-cast spirit or do you source distillate and then cask it yourselves uh, no, so Adelphi is very much bottled just in time. That's the kind of ethos, you know, we buy mature stock. Um, and it was very much like even going back, when Alex tells me going back maybe 15, you know, 10 to 15 years, it would be a case of a cask would be coming in the door. 
and we'd be waiting there with the bung extractor <laughs> and the filter and, and ready to ready to put it into bottles to send out. Yeah, just being like, come on, come on. <laughs> it's not it's not like it's not like that now. Um we've you know, he's he's managed to ultimately, I mean, it was a one man band. Um Alex was just sort of he renewed his passport and just went round and round the world in 2004 um, as a sales director and just kept going um, uh, and, and building the building the export market world for Adelphi. Um, but in regards to cask selection, we we still buy mature stock, but we what we get to do now, which we didn't have the luxury of doing um, back then, was that we hold on to a bit more stock. So we've probably got a, a, a bigger holding stock. Um, so we also buy parcels blind now as well. Um, it's just the way the industry's gone. You know, not everyone's going to send you a sample, um, <laughs> and if they do, they want an extortionate amount of money to do it. So, yeah, it, over over time, um, you get experience of distillate years, types yeah. of cask, and the people you're working with. You know, you got to trust the people you're working with. So, yeah, we we still very much buy mature stock, but we're buying younger stock as well to lay down, um, if you like. Well, there's a lot of like there's a lot of independent bottlers popping up everywhere, and is that just is that just because cast select like there's just so much more cast selection nowadays, and like there's lots of lots of brokers, lots of bottlers. Like I feel it's just being flooded. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield just now, to be honest, because as you said, there is a good few number of um, yeah, just brand new indie bottlers. I mean, there's some uh, you're hearing about them. I wouldn't say hearing about them every day but they are popping up um yeah the broking world's obviously gone very interesting now where you know it's it's trendy to invest in whiskey um it's very much there's lots of these companies advertising all over the place on facebook um yeah i i wouldn't say there was more of a selection <sighs> it's hard to it's a good question there's certainly not the variety of older stuff around um, as you can imagine yeah a lot of it's newer 60s 60s no chance 70s no chance 80s getting really hard to source 90s is becoming that way so yeah it's you know but that if you look at 2020 you know you've already got a 20 year old whiskey you know, yeah. if, if you're buying into the year 2000 so, absolutely you know it's it, there there is a wee they're saying there is a wee whiskey loch um brewing as as as, as they say um but I don't know. As long as the demand for whiskey keeps going, um, we should we should we should all be safe and sound. Hopefully, touch wood. Well, the, some but some people have talked about that there there could potentially be a, a shortage. No, because when when um, the distilleries were all pumping out whiskey back in the late nineties and and early two thousands, no one could have really predicted. They could have predicted a boom, but th- I think this has now reached farther than the boom that that anyone thought it would. Like well, whiskey, yeah, that, whiskey's yeah, at a whole new level right now. It's crazy. It is just now, and it's still growing. Yeah. I think. I think the scare is that you know, if you look at Scott and our our, our history, you know, in the eighties and, and 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 before that, it does take falls, and yeah. it falls hard. And you know, you look at some distilleries that never were recovered. You know, back then. Um, so. I don't know. I well, if I knew, I'd be. I, I would be <laughs> yeah. what to do. But, yeah, we're definitely know, not asking think, for the for the answers. But yeah. no, no, I think, I think you're right. Though I mean, everyone's yeah. double, doubling production or putting in new still houses. Everyone from the big guys to the wee guys. Everyone and look at all the new distilleries that are popping up all over the place, um, including ours. You know, um, Ardmurkin was built in 2013. 
Yeah. So I think I think we were the kind of start of the absolute surge. You know, um, a lot followed on from from where we were. We were sort of like the sort of Kill Holman, which was I think two thousand and six. I think that's right, two thousand four. And then you know, Kill Kerin, and then around that same time, yeah. Then there was a wee bit of a lull, and then sort of came Art of the American, and then you know, there's been a lot since then as well. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. And like Sean, Sean's a big Irish drinker, and so we've we've talked to like um, uh, Barry Chandler and then Louise McGuire. Louise McGuan and stuff, and, and they they just talk about how crazy it is, how much new distilleries and and bottlers and stuff that are going to be popping up over the next five years, even out of that genre. Yeah, like in Ireland, they went from six distilleries in 2012 operating to now over 40. <laughs> so that's an eight years. <laughs> yeah, which is just crazy. And in, in the like, even in the American game, the American single malt distilleries and bourbon dist- craft distilleries are just popping up yearly. I feel like there's a new handful in the market. Like it's whis- whiskey's just at a whole new level right now. It's it's crazy. It really is. I mean, it's. Uh, I think everyone's becoming a bit more discerning as well. You know what they consume, not just in alcohol, in food, and people want to know where it comes from. They want provenance. They want you know X Y Z. They want to know, you know, who distilled their product. You know, where where was it matured, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. People people were just getting more nosy. You know, um, which is a good thing. You it know, is absolutely. And I just I can't. I personally, I've seen, I've heard the argument both ways. I personally cannot see whiskey dropping in sales just yet. And I'll touch with it again on that. But the reason I say that is because if you look at two of the biggest countries in the world, India and China, we haven't even scratched the surface there. And if they, if, if they start getting a taste for it, which they already are, yeah, we're, we're not going to have enough. <laughs> and that is the reality. Um, so it's, yeah, who knows? Well, we we got a a bit of a taste for that because the Japanese market became right very very active, yeah. and it gobbled up a lot of the stock that would have usually come to the well to North America, especially I feel, and European uh, markets and stuff like that. Plus, there's a lot of there's a lot of trade and political nonsense going on too. That's that's kind of shifting where the products going depending on uh, like obviously tariffs and taxes and that kind of thing. So it's it no matter what it's always going to be an interesting uh like interesting microeconomy to to navigate yeah i mean it's uh, adelphi and Arden american we're in i think we're 25 markets now and you know it's trying to split a single cask into 25 markets is, is fun <laughs> yeah it's, I bet. it's real real fun but we're we're actually taking a different uh, approach this year with adelphi but you know um yeah, I'll talk about that later. But it's it's um yeah it's there's uh, we we're never going to have enough. I feel, um, but we're very small. It's it's uh, I would love to see the books of some, some bigger brands. You know, I mean, I was speaking to my colleague last night, Graham. He was saying that you know Glenfiddich have got a million casks. <laughs> Jeez, you know? yeah, that doesn't it doesn't totally surprise me. <laughs> they pump out a lot of fluid for sure so yeah they do they do but you know the thing is with with grants you know they're family owned they they do everything absolutely to the to the book and you know they're they're not they're not a big corporate company well they are in many respects but they've also got real traditional family-owned values and Mm -hmm. you know 
a million casks. I can't even comprehend that. I mean, we've got 10,000 casks at Arden American, and I think that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I can't even picture in my head what a million casks. I was like, where do you keep a million casks? <laughs> yeah. That's like Jim, when Jim Beam, they had that, um, yeah, the know. fire last year yeah. and it, like it took out an entire rick house and they were like oh that's not really a big deal it's only it's like less than a percentage of yeah. their total stock <laughs> you're just like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's like a, a, dr- a drop in the ocean eh? it's yeah. uh yeah staggering really yeah so like steve said i'm a huge irish whiskey fan um i do know that adelphi in the past has released what they call the limerick series and sure. it is single malt irish whiskey um do you, can you delve into that a bit? How many have you had? I know I've seen a couple for sure. And in the future, are you still going to uh, bottle some Irish? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's actually pretty high up my list in, in what I would like to do. Um, the So the whole idea behind uh, our Irish bottlings is that, uh, as I said, Adelphi Distillery, um, what was a distillery in Glasgow? Um, but Archibald Walker also had the rights to the Limit Limerick Distillery. Um, so we've actually got the we've actually got the the rights to that name. So Limerick Selection or Limerick Distillery uh, is something that we have. So you know, if we ever came into serious coin, we could go and build a distillery in Ireland and call it <laughs> Limerick Distillery. <laughs> um, but uh, so we we obviously can't do that. But you know. We can use the name Limerick, and that was basically we named them uh, after the rivers. Um, I think this is before my time, but I think we'd have um, Slaney, uh, Sewer, and Shannon. Shannon was the grain, uh, Sewer was the peated malt or peated, and Slaney being uh, the unpeated uh, single malt. So yeah, there is. We've done, I believe, I think Alex has done five, um, and and Jamie would have done some prior to that. The but yes, I, look, listen. I'd love to bottle another, another Irish whiskey. I mean, where people ask me all the time, when are you going to do another Slaney? Um, it's it's a stock issue, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's, the Irish whiskey market is booming again, which is great because mm-hmm. um, I, I do I do like a drop of it as well. Um, but and it's very trendy now as well. Is they really set the the stage alight, and they're and they're doing great. So they're not going to want to sell much of their stock, especially their older stocks, to um to independent bottlers in Scotland. So but you know what, it's it's very much up there. Um we actually do uh we've got another sort of half to the company or another side to the company called Fusion Whiskey, mm-hmm. which is which is basically in a nutshell, we were the first people to legally um blend an international whiskey with uh Scotch whiskey um and release it so we we established that with the first release was called the glover which is a blend of japanese whiskey and scotch how um, crazy yeah i don't even know i've heard got, of that have you yeah i think, love, yeah. I think there was a bottle what, they were here uh at one of the stores oh yeah. crazy yeah so the, the first the first one was in a, like a decanter bottle and that contained hanyu which is obviously extremely rare uh um, liquid from uh from basically i think it was ichiro's Father or grandfather, I want to say, Ichiro, who owns Chichibu, yeah, a yeah. distillery in Japan. So yeah, um, and, and Scotch whiskey. And we it kind of really, sort of people really, really got it and really enjoyed the idea of, you know, 
taking an international whiskey and blending it with with Scotch single malt, pe- people really liked it. And and of course, the whiskey was good, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. But uh, we've 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 now blended with other countries such as India. So we used Amrit um, to blend that. We blended with Australia. So we used Starward uh, to do that. Um, the Netherlands, which was Zaidam or Zaidam. Mm-hmm. Or the brand's Millstone. Yeah. Millstone, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking we're looking at the next project. You know, I'd love to do something with Sweden. Um, I'd like to do something with Canada. I'd like to do something with America. But I'd really like to do something with Ireland. Yeah. Um and each each every 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 fusion that we do, we try to find a story about a famous Scot that did something good in that country. So uh, the Glover is named after Thomas Blake Glover, who was part basically helped um, start up companies in Japan like Mitsubishi, Kirin, and um, brewery things like that. Oh, crazy! So, yeah, and 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 so I'm sure we could find something uh, a story to tell um, with our Celtic brethren. Um, I'm oh, sure I'm sure I'm certain of it. Yeah. So so yeah, look, we and we've we've got the odd contact in Ireland, of course, and I, I would like, I'd be very keen to maybe establish a conversation. So watch this space. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good activity going on around the Irish whiskey genre, which is, and they've they've done a really good job, I think, um, marketing themselves to American bourbon drinkers. Yeah, which I feel has been a massive hit for them because, but the bourbon drinkers they're hard they're hard whiskey, not to crack, honestly, right? They're very very loyal to to the bourbon spirit, but I feel like more and more and more, especially on social media, you got bourbon drinkers posting irish whiskey so they're tap they're tapping into it and it's working for them yeah 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 the popularity is rising that's for sure i think it's all for the 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 common goal of just spreading the spreading the love about whiskey about single malt about blended about blended whiskey um i think it's all positive to be honest yeah no i I think so too yeah let's um now let's get into arden american because i don't again i don't know a ton a ton about it. And, and when I was reading up kind of over the weekend on it, there's a, yeah, there's a ton of very interesting information on there. We kind of touched on transparency being such an important thing in, in this day and age when it comes to whiskey. And it's, it's a core value of our American. You could tell, um, I think they even speak to it, but there's, there, there's, I don't know, there, there's just a ton going on. So maybe I'll just let you take the floor for it instead of me trying yeah. to explain what I read. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're, no, absolutely. I mean, there is, you're, right, you're right, there is a ton going on. Um, sometimes I can't keep up with myself. But <laughs> I bet. The, um, yeah, so basically in 2007, I think, um, three years into the job, Alex sort of said, sat the board down and said, look, the casks of Rosebank, Port Ellen, you know, you know, exciting whiskies, older whiskies, they're drying up. And if we want to control the destiny yeah. of, of this company, we either buy as much casks as we can and see how long we last, or we 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 put a, a plan in place to build a distillery. So yeah, 2013, uh Arden American uh, was built. It was built there because uh, well many reasons we wanted to produce a West Coast style of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And the West Coast is a fantastic place uh for for maturing wise for the climate um and the fact that you know our 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 directors had some land on the peninsula so yeah we chose there we knew there was no we also wanted to make a very unique style of whiskey um 
we knew that there was no facilities on our American. And uh, yeah, basically built 2013. Uh, Stills ran for the first time in July. Sorry, yeah, July uh, 2014. So we now have whiskey this year, seven years old. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And and you guys, you did bottle some kind of pre some well whiskey spirit for the yes. first couple of releases that they were. And I know in our market, they were actually, they were a hit. Like they, they sold out nicely. People really enjoyed it, which, which was nice because it created some excitement yeah. around the brand. It did indeed. Um, I, I wish I had a really fancy marketing story to tell you about these, but basically the idea was when you make whiskey for the first time, you know, all the big brands, these, they've been going for so long. They know what they're doing. That, that You know, we had the late, great Dr. Jim Swan, who's advised uh, Kilholman and Cavalan and Penderin and all these sort of newer distilleries yeah. um, with their spirit. Um, we, we were confident what we were doing, but we also wanted to see how it performs in wood. So we filled what's called octaves. So 55 liter fill, little small casks. All from first, first of all, sherry, really, you know, aggressive uh, maturation vessels. And we wanted to see how the spirit sort of looked six months, a year, 18 months, mm-hmm. you know, and so on. See how it and reacts that, with the wood, yeah. right? Yeah. So we, yeah, yeah, we wanted to see, you know, what accelerated maturation would look like just to give us an idea on, on, on where we were going, essentially. So we, um, yeah, so we filled a heap of these wee octaves and much to Alex's and uh, the team's surprise, it actually tasted really good. So we we decided to bottle um, what we called the AD series, the, the, the Spirit series, um, 2016, 17, 18 and 19. And yeah, as you said, there were, there were uh, ca- uh, natural cask strength. Pretty much all of them were natural cask strength, I think. One might have taken a wee bit of water. Uh, all from first fill Oloroso and PX casks. Mm-hmm. No, they would. They, I remember having them at a couple of different uh, whiskey festivals, and I, I really enjoyed them. I, honestly, I didn't even really know what I was drinking before I drank it because you just let those festivals, you kind of just get around and sometimes sure. you lose yourself in it. But I remember tasting it and being, and then thinking to myself, what, like, what is this? It's delicious. And then you figure out that it's not even actually technically a whiskey. And it gets, it definitely gets your wheels turning. That's for sure. I'm, I'm kicking myself because I kept seeing them on the shelf. I know. And I know. I wish I bunkered. I mean, the, the bottle alone, the obviously award-winning design, but that bottle, it's yeah. stuck, it stuck out like a sore yeah. Thumb. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it really did. And really you know, cool. the funny thing was, Alex, Alex basically designed that on the bot, uh, you know, the back of a cigarette packet. Like he, <laughs> he really, he really did. Um, took it to our lovely design agency that we've been working with for a long time. I mean, I say, you know, Graham at Nevis Design's fantastic. But I mean, if, you, if you've seen a bottle of Adelphi, you know, it's not exactly, uh, we're not exactly throwing money at our packaging. You know, it's very simple. Yeah, very simplistic. Yeah. The, the labels, obviously, Classic. Know, we, get a lot of, we get a lot of uh, shit from our labels. People <laughs> just can't, they can't read the writing on them for whatever reason. And, you know, we've actually taken it one step further with the, the carton for Arden American. So we believe, and I'm, Yet to be corrected, but this is made from 100% uh, recycled waste paper. So essentially, it's the inside of a toilet roll is what it looks like, is what it's made from. Um, and it's, yeah, we wanted to, if we were going to put a box out there, we wanted to make it as as 
to limit our footprint. We just that's we we feel we've got a responsibility being new and having a chance to do things from scratch. It's obviously very hard when you've been doing things for a long time um, to to start taking steps. It shouldn't be hard for people who are beginning um, in this industry, and we felt that it was our it was just our our responsibility to take action and and and, and do that, and that's hopefully reflects into our packaging, but more importantly, how we actually make the stuff. So, you know, we we are run 100% uh, on biomass, which is basically, um, we, we are fueled by wood chip. So we're wood chip from uh, the local forestry, just a mile, a mile and a half down the, down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, twice a day, we get a, a tractor and a, a trailer full of wood chip it's poured and that's um, how you heat all your water and all that kind of stuff right yeah, that, yeah. it powers the whole plant powers we've also the whole, got oh, a crazy. small hydro on the river as well the yeah. glenmore river um for our our cooling water um but yeah we if the difference between us and i think we were the first um to do be solely 100 biomass we don't have a backup oil oil boiler we don't have backup. <laughs> if, if if we run out of wood chip or you know um there's a problem we cannot there's not a, there's not a backup generator if you like you know we just can't operate yes yeah, that's super cool when i read that on the box i was you know kind of taken aback but it's such a cool story yeah this one even like on the box it said like the transparent renewable identifiable and then obviously taste the story kind of thing so it's Again, with with your your values and the, the kind of the principles that you stand for, just transparency, right? You want everybody yeah. to know who well, you are. We just we've got we've got absolutely zilch to hide. Yeah, we don't. You know, we we we've also. I mean, we've got pretty traditional uh, methods, um, but you know, some would say reasonably cutting edge uh, as well. I mean, I've I even said cutting edge, but some people have. We've got this thing on the back of the bottle which is just a, a simple QR code. But what this enables you to do is if you scan it with your smartphone, it actually takes you to a landing page and what will eventually be our live stock system. So it's not just a, a techie gimmick. It's actually, we're actually going to be using this as our stock take system going forward. So it's blockchain enabled. So basically what this means is that the consumer scans the QR code and it takes them to a page of as much or as little information as you want. And we're constantly upgrading this. So this is just the this is just the beginning. Um, the coolest part of it for me is that when you get down to the bottom, I think it's a maturation, you you can actually open a PDF and it will it gives you every single cask that went into the first batch. So 16,000 bottles worldwide, and we've given you the 53 casks that we used, their age, the style of cask, and how old they were. So yes, okay, we don't have a big number, an age statement on the bottle. But you, we can we give it to you on 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 the QR code. So we're we're essentially giving you the recipe to go and make hard American. Well, yeah, it's pretty cool because it starts like it, what well, it says right there: your bottle of whiskey, true traceability. But yeah, the bar it touches on the barley, the mashing, the fermentation, distillation, maturation. Like it, it it's it's quite impressive. That's very cool. Yeah, there's you know there. You mentioned hmm. Kilholman, and I know that they started doing similar. They have, uh, it's like a, not a scan code, but it's like you touch your phone to it and it, 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 tap it, yeah. it, it yeah. takes you back. And, um, but yeah, I mean, technology, like who would have thought even, <laughs> even five years ago that you'd be able to touch your phone to a bottle and it would tell you exactly where that came from. That's the, 
Mm. coolest thing now well and why not yeah exactly why not if you can i mean we are lovers of transparency and everything with whiskey so if you can do it why not like like you said there's nothing to hide so why hide it why hide it and then the other thing is you're using blockchain technology which the only other time i've ever heard blockchain is when it comes to like bitcoin and cryptocurrency so um do you want to touch on the blockchain technology and what exactly? Yeah, I it mean, does? I'm 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 not the I'm not the the brains behind this and the <laughs> brains behind very little to be fair. But the, Alex basically was he sits on the board of Scotland Food and Drink, um, and there was this chap presenting to the board, and he was basically trying to say, look, you're a consumer in a supermarket, you scan. He was basically trying to he was talking about pork chops. So if you scanned your pork chop in the supermarket, you could trace it back to, oh, it was uh, Mildred the pig that lived in Sussex down in England and she lived a very happy life and daddy, 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 da. <laughs> and that was what she, what, so anyway, Alex went, oh, wait a minute, this, this could be adapted to the Scotch whiskey industry. And he was the first person, Alex was the first person to bring this technology um, to, to whiskey. I don't know and if I'd want to know the name of... <laughs> of, the animal, I mean. of the animal I'm eating, I might have a hard time eating it. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you might, you might enjoy it. You can definitely tell oh, the, Betsy, name, uh... the name of the farm where the barley was grown doesn't have as significant of an yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> fair, fair comment. But yeah, basically, he he wanted to adapt this to to to, to the industry, and you know, um, we've now got William Grant and Sons with Elsa Bay who have who have come on and, and, and adopted this technology. So once the bigger boys get behind it. Um, it will be wonderful for the industry and for the consumer and for the whiskey enthusiast like myself and, and you guys to, you know, to, to to watch this technology develop. But basically, it's an incorruptible ledger. Essentially, mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, it's like a a journal that you update. And we've got, you know, instead of um, we're just rolling them out now, but you know, our our mashmen, our stillmen, instead of walking about with clipboards and bits of paper, they're going to be walking about with iPads soon and loading that information straight up to the cloud. And it, it goes, and that's it. Yeah. And and um, eventually, well, hopefully this year, we're going to be tagging every cask, so we've got a completely live stock system in place as well. And most importantly, um, we can submit paperwork to HMRC, which is Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, who keeps an eye on the whole Scotch whiskey industry. And we need to make sure that they're all nice and getting their their taxes and everything else. So it's great. It's a win win for 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 us anyway. Yeah, it's kind of a cool story, you know. We we even with whiskey Bry when we were talking, we were talking about distilleries that you go on a tour and they say, "Oh, nothing's changed here in three hundred years. We're still using the same thing." And this is like the hundred percent polar opposite, where you know we're going to involve technology as much as we can. And to me, like I think that's super cool and super unique. And I obviously it's going to keep growing in the industry, but to to know that. You know, we have a bottle sitting here that we can tap our phones to and scan a code and get every single piece of information. Well, the journey behind creating that bottle, yeah, right, exactly. which is awesome. Let's since we're on the subject of this bottle that we we literally just popped it while you were kind of going on there. Um, I was I was witness to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you saw, can, I saw you open it. <laughs> you might might be able to hear the the pop in the background is <laughs> yeah over my shoulder. Sean's couldn't help himself. Uh, tell tell us what we're tell us what we're drinking here. Yep. Uh, so, so this is our um, our first bottling. 
uh, we haven't slabbered inaugural all over it because we won't. When you start doing that, I feel that you're, you're almost telling people not to open it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we we wanted people to open it, and enjoy it. That's what it's for. Uh, Fifteen thousand nine hundred and seventy-six, I think, uh, bottles went around the world. Um, so the AD is just short for Arden American Distillery. Arden mm-hmm. American Distillery is obviously quite a mouthful. Um, so AD. Um, 0920 is the batch date, so that's September 2020, and 01 is 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 our is our first batch. It is uh, a combination of 65% ex bourbon barrels, so the uh, matured in ex bourbon, um, mainly Old Forester, if you want to go to that level, okay. and also 35% ex sherry casks, um, both PX and Oloroso. Um, it's about 50% peated. And 50% unpeated malt. So we were very lucky that we, from the beginning, made a choice that we were going to both peat six months of the year and do unpeated whiskey. So we've got such a lovely stock portfolio to to choose from. Yeah, and so you can offer some variety to the drinkers. Abs- obviously, absolutely. Right? That, that's important. I, I assume with that you'll be releasing in the future wholly peated or wholly unpeated. Yeah. You know, different. Ratios, different variations of 80, yeah. 20 you know 60 40 stuff like that yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely have a wee play about you know as i say we've got about ten thousand casks now uh in line maturing um our american everything's matured on site uh traditional dunnage um warehouse three casks high earth floor um we, we yeah we, we, we're, we're starting to experiment now with maybe some different styles of casks so we've been pretty pretty traditional ex-bourbon ex-sherry um, for the last six years, and now we're sort of moving on to different things. So you know, port casks, uh, port pipes, sorry, uh, Madeira, Marsala. We're looking at different styles of sherry casks. We're looking at sort of Manzanilla, Amontillado, things like that. Just, just because I mean, these are never going to be um, change the house or core style that we're trying to achieve in this bottle. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm delighted to tell you that the next batch, um, which will be in Canada, I think it's leaving. What day are we on now? Monday. I think it's leaving on Friday to come to you guys. Okay. Um, we've achieved that. It's, it's it's very very close. There is a slight batch variance, but we're we, we're we've managed to identify a style that we're happy with, and going forward, that will be what our American single malt tastes like. And there will be there obviously will be differences. There will mm-hmm. be differences, um, and other core products coming out in the future. Um, unlimited batches and all the rest of it. In fact, we just signed up to heavily peated barley uh, in the summer. So we're going to do about three, four weeks of 80 parts per million barley. Holy um, smokes. So there's, yeah, there's going to be some uh, heavily peated Arden American on the uh, well, maybe in four or five years time. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, yeah, look, it's being independent and, and having such a hand in, in lots of things that we do. I mean, it's great. You've got so much freedom to just go out and have a wee look and it's yeah it's great you're not really you can make a split decision there and then it doesn't need to go through the ranks you can just kind of get on with it yeah the, the t- well you remove kind of the bureaucracy of it all yeah. right yeah. you kind of just go you can just fly with things um you, you recently released your first single cast too was, was that a peated or unpeated that was a peated so yeah that that came out that was supposed to come out with the single malt um but it just and we couldn't get the glass ready in time. Uh, but okay. basically, yeah, the product launch was a single malt, uh, the tasting pack. So that was a tasting pack of uh, four or five CLs, and that was uh, 
single malt and three cask samples, if you like, okay. and the single cask. So the single cask was from a refill Oloroso uh, Sherry Punchin. It was five years old, uh, bottled at natural strength. And yeah, there's, there is there is a little bit um, on its way. In fact, it should be there in the next two weeks, three weeks in, in Canada, but you're talking 690 bottles for the world. There was never going to be a lot of them <laughs> Well, we'll, so, we'll keep our eyes out for it too. But like my first impressions of this is like it's, it's delicate it's not too in your face it's very very drinkable um nice like light peach and you can really get that like toasty kind of vanilla qualities of the of the bourbon cask yeah more than anything yeah. i think out of it yeah i think i think you know um what what pleased me more about about the whiskey about the actual liquid is is, is the texture and the palate i mean it is it's a five-year-old mm-hmm. um essentially the youngest um whiskey in here is five the oldest is six obviously we can't it's not going to take a genius to work out how old we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's. I think it's showing really well for that age. We reduced it down to 46.8. The reason why it was 0.8 was mere, honestly just on flavor. We were going to go at a straight 46 and just felt it needed a nudge north off that. So we just literally put it up to 0.8. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's, it's the weight of, of, of the liquid in, in, in the mouth. I think it's drinking beautifully at 46.8. Uh, and, yeah, look... It's it's got that sort of maritime coastal it does yeah. to it as well. Yeah, it's got that little brininess. That peaty, yeah, brininess, um, honeycomb. I think we also mm-hmm. said on the tasting notes strawberries. There is that fruit there as well. Um, but yeah, look for me, it's 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 uh, if it's like this now, I just you know it's it's hopefully yep. only going to go in one direction. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to let's circle back around to to you. Connell, honestly, I'm curious to curious to hear. Like, let's um, where, where are some of your favorite spots to to drink in Scotland or even in Canada? If you remember your time here, um, what uh, like what's what what's in your class besides uh, besides the obvious <laughs> being Arden American and oh, and, yeah, and Adelphi and like yeah, what 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 makes Connell tick? Oh, it's what's in my glass tonight. I was actually comparing to cask samples for the first limited batch release, which is uh, 2014 bourbon bottles, which have been re-racked into ex-champagne barriques for about a year. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the first be interesting. L- limited batch release of Arden American, and that's unpeated spirit. So that's all unpeated whiskey. Okay. Um, so that's going to be released in April time. So I was literally just looking at the two options that we're going to look at um, and comparing them. The what's in my glass, uh, usually whiskey, you know, but I like a a decent rum. um, I like a decent bourbon as well from time to time. I like mixed drinks, local wine, um, beer. Yeah, I I generally enjoy alcohol, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I think that's a prerequisite though, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think so, yeah. Um, But, you know, I like um, Desert Island rums, anything usually from... The, the the Mitchell business down in Campbelltown. I do love my Springbank. Um, I like a Talisker. I've always had a, a great affinity for Talisker. Klein Leash is pretty much my all time favorite dram. Um, yeah, okay. I just absolutely can't get enough of Klein Leash. Um, and yeah, obviously, I mean, Art the Merkin. It's I, I, this is still a novelty. Novelty drinking it, to be honest. It's still every time I look at it, I go, "Oh yeah, I was part. I was part of that." Um, <laughs> it's it's just wonderful feeling. Um, and it's uh, yeah, the uh, bars wise, 
I look, there's great, fantastic watering holes in, in Canada. Scotland-wise, yeah, you've got the Malt Room, which is a whiskey bar in Inverness, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Dornick Castle Hotel up in Dornick, which is just an incredible whiskey bar. And then, you know, therefore you've got, um, you've got the Bon Accord, you've got the pot still then in, in Glasgow. Yeah. We're, 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 we're spoiled for choice here. But, um, Does Arden American have a, they have a visitor center yeah, set yeah, up? We yeah. Do. We, yeah. It's obviously, obviously closed at the moment. Yeah. You know, we're, um, we were summertime, we're open six days a week, um, doing tours and you can come and visit. There's a small gift shop and, you know, our tours are very small, seven, eight people. So it's a really personalized tour. And, you know, it's just, um, yeah, we're all just missing missing visitors to the peninsula, to be honest. Um, we are on the furthest western point in the British mainland. So any customer or any person who makes the venture to come and see us, we're extremely grateful to say hello to you. And you're <laughs> we very much rewarded with fantastic views. And uh, now uh, we've launched a single malt in the middle of this ridiculous scenario that the world finds itself in. So we've not even poured a dram for someone at our distillery of our own whiskey yeah that's crazy like it's, you're located right across the water from alamal that right that's that's the right spot literally you look at our stillhouse window yeah. you can see a uh, tobermory lighthouse okay yeah it's a beautiful I've, I've never been up that way but i've heard it's it's such a gorgeous countryside and and yeah it's it's it is, a, it is quite a special part of scotland i mean i had never been there before I started working for the company and a lot of people still like I, my mom and dad hadn't been and you know my in-laws hadn't been and it's it's, it's undiscovered I would say um which is silly because Scotland's not a big place but it really is and I think it will become discovered it is quite sensational if you like wildlife and beautiful lochs um and just mount, mountainous it's just it is pretty pretty special place no oh, that's amazing um, so, so lastly, um, what's, uh, what's next for, for you? Is there like, are you, are you planning on kind of staying this, this direction being in the, in the sales and, and ambassador, or are you like, you're going to get more involved in, in the whiskey creation or distillery, or I'm just curious, where, where do you think your next, next yeah, step I in mean, your journey is? I, I haven't really touched on this, but I, <laughs> You know, I when when we decided to to launch a single malt last year, uh, it was myself and our MD uh, Alex Bruce who we raced to the distillery and basically locked ourselves in the warehouse for two weeks. Um, so I nosed two hundred casks alongside him, and we put it together. It was it was Alex and myself who who who, who blended this together. And you know, I've That's I've, awesome. I was I was part of the the next batch, and I've done a good few fusions now as well, and. It's not something I ever was ever going to be in my job description, um, but it's just sort of happened that way. And, you know, it's one of the most interesting parts to my job. So, yeah, it's, it, I'm already essentially doing that. So it's my job has so many different things to it. Being that you're in a small brand or a small distillery, small brand, yeah, I guess the, just, the doors are yeah. wide open. There's so much opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. I've, you know, during, during lockdown, I've actually increased my sales force by 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 double by fifty percent. I mean, it was essentially just Antonia and myself, and now I've got Graham on board and Jenny Carlson, um, who, who's been in the industry for a while, as is Graham. And you know, there's there's four of us now in sales and marketing, and you know, 
yeah, no, we're just we're just doing our own thing. And and honestly, I can I, I can't see myself being anywhere apart from um right where I am. Now it sounds like a real family. For the foreseeable. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a great board, great boss, great team. Yeah, no, it's and I've I've got the, the ability to talk about a distillery now and an independent bottling arm. So for sure. we kind of got whiskey sort of sewn up there. It's almost like you're starting well, you're just starting a brand new brand new journey right with our american hit, yeah, abs- hit in the market so it's new and exciting and fresh all the time no it's that's really cool and i would definitely we're obviously going to be on the lookout for for the new products i really really enjoy really enjoy this whiskey i enjoyed the the ones that were released prior just the whiskey spirits and yeah. i i'm looking forward to see what yeah what, what's coming out next yeah it's definitely something i'm going to be keeping my eye on the shelf for sure yeah but very, very quality so uh, we'll we'll get this wrapped up. I've really really enjoyed. It. I feel like we could sit and talk whiskey for probably a couple hours, uh, given the time. Like you can tell, you you enjoy. It. You're a passionate person, and I, I really really appreciate your time. No, well, listen. Um, yeah, thanks to Brian for the introduction. It was actually good just to meet you guys anyway. Um, but yeah, thanks for for listening to the the rubbish the rubbish crack. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully, you enjoyed the drums. And listen, it'll be hopefully by next year i can uh, get back on a plane and and, and and come and say hello and we can uh, we can share a dram in, in real life but listen thank you very much and uh yeah, we'll, we'll speak to you soon yeah i would absolutely love that for sure and i know i know sean would too so definitely yeah. uh yeah we raise a glass to you thank you very much Connell. cheers my friend thank you cheers <laughs>